Lawler fans, Pete here from the Lasser Cast, and I am with my very good friend and co-host, Dr. Zayas G.O.D., Danny Torkel. Danny has a Herculean task tonight. He is going to get through episode five of 101 Scariest Movie Horror Movie Moments on Shudder, and he's not going to talk about what he's just done this whole day. Is that possible? It is. I'll just flash the badge. There it is. Let's just say that Danny was pretty dang close to the inspiration for our channel, The Lassercast, Mr. Mike Flanagan. And boy, does he have some good content coming your way. I guess we're going to say today. We're recording this on January, uh, October 6th, but our video is going to go up uh, on October 7th. Yeah, so Danny, by, by, by the time... By the time we're done recording this, um, you guys should have on our channel a 30-minute video of the Midnight Club panel and Q&A with Mike Flanagan, the entire cast, hosted by Perry Nemiroff of Collider. It was so much fun. I had a great time. But let's get to this list so that we can go to bed. Yes. And you know what? There are some super exciting things to talk about on this list tonight. Uh, something that we've been talking about for the past few weeks finally happened this time around. Uh, we're going to get to that with uh, entry number 46. But uh, out of all these films, there's only two that I haven't seen. The very first one I did not see is number 49, A Bay of Blood, another entry by Mario Bava. Have you seen this one, Danny? I have, and I'm so glad that Edgar Wright called it by its much better name, Twitch of the Death Nerve. One of the coolest titles. That's one of the great things about Italian horror uh, and, and Jalo horror is you get these incredible titles like Lucio Fulci has a movie called Don't Torture a Duckling. Uh, you have, uh, you have all these crazy, like, um, my, there, there, there's, there's movie titles that have like eight to 10 words in them. Your, your, there's one that's like your mind is a, an unlocked box and I'm the key or your, your vice is, a, I don't know. But yeah, uh, Twitch of the Death Nerve is such a, a better title than Bay of Blood. Uh, I have seen this movie. Um, they they posted one of those, like, guess the movie. Right. And I was wrong on this one. I thought that that quote about people writhing together in sex and death was going to be uh, Possession, starring mm -hmm. Sam Neill. But oh. yeah... Uh, they went with the scene that inspired, and by inspired, I mean was completely stolen by Friday the 13th Part 2. And that right. is a scene where, uh, uh, as Ryan Turek points out, a couple is having really bad sex. <laughs> and uh, the killer sneaks in and with a spear goes right through the two of them, through the bed. Uh, <laughs> and they squirm and die in... They, they get a little twitch of the death nerve. And uh, <laughs> this is one of those movies where, like, just in the scenes that you watch, you can tell how influential it was to the Friday the 13th movies with, like, the cleaver to the face and the, the, the that, like, hooking blade that slices the woman's throat. And there's these gory decapitations. This, this is, like, a Mario Bava movie that feels like a Lucio Fulci movie. Yeah. And... I think there was there was like one I I might be I, I think I'm right about this, but I feel like Christopher Lee, there was a story once about Christopher Lee getting so disgusted by watching this movie that he walked out. 
Oh, wow. And That's saying something. Yeah. It's, this is not like, I would, I would never call this a great movie, Yeah, but it's a, it's a great representation of Italian horror and it's gory as fuck. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm a little timid about checking out these Italian horror movies. I know they're so extreme and there's another entry at the very other end of this list, which is a classic. And, um, I don't think you could hear my wife, but she called down from the balcony. She was talking about this book, uh, My Heart is a Chainsaw. And that's sort of like the horror darling of this past year. Everyone raves about this book. And um, the main character in that is obsessed with slashers. And she references Baba in oh, uh, that book. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really good. If you ever get a chance to listen to the audio, I highly recommend it. Oh, but yeah, cool. I need something. They, they are making a movie of it, too. Um, but... You know, I, maybe I'm not going to check out that one, but then once we go to number 48, it's pretty much from here until the last entry where I've seen every one of these things now. And I was super excited to see number 48, which was The Conjuring. You and I have a lot of experience together talking about Conjuring films. Um, this is the, you know, the granddaddy of them all, you know, James Wan's masterpiece, the original Conjuring. And were you satisfied with what they chose this time around? A hundred percent. Especially because the only other thing that I might have chosen, actually the other two things I might have chosen, they actually showed in the background. They right. showed the scene where uh, uh, the Warrens are outside and she turns around and she just has that like reaction and you don't see anything. But then in the next scene, you see the feet hanging behind Tom, behind the husband Right. Uh, that's a great scene. That's a great scare. And then the the scene that for me was the best scare in the movie was when they just look up and Bathsheba is on the friggin right. uh, wardrobe. But I had a feeling and Charlotte and I were watching this together and we both had a feeling that it was going to be uh, hide and clap. And to me, that is not only is that a great series of scares that continues throughout the movie, but it also made for a fantastic trailer moment oh, yes. for this. Mm-hmm. Like that's like, I think the most, if you, if you had to take one scene from the conjuring, it's the scene of Lily Taylor with the, with the match in her hand. And then that the hands come in from behind. Right. Uh, it's such a good scene. And I actually just rewatched the conjuring with my, uh, fright club, my after school horror club. Oh, nice. And everybody, um, before we started it, everybody was like, yeah, we've seen it, but you know, it's a good movie to start with. And by the second day that we were watching it, uh, and we were watching the last hour, everybody suddenly went quiet and was like, <laughs> and it's like, and, and I've come around to really love this movie. And, and it's one of those movies that you can rewatch and still kind of get scared by the same parts over and over again. And, yeah. and, you know, hey, look, if if we weren't a channel dedicated to Mike Flanagan, we might be a channel dedicated to James Wan because <laughs> the two of them are like neck and neck right. for like the best horror director or the most important horror director of the last decade. And, you know, where where I think and I think we agree Flanagan's work critically uh, and just emotionally is 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 of a higher quality mm-hmm. one 100 percent 
is is the he knows what what audiences want right uh, and he gets the the money out of the audiences in a way that very few horror directors do and you know between the saw franchise the conjuring universe the man has he's done a lot for the horror genre in the last decade or the last really almost 20 years now or 15 years because of saw you know, it's really, really interesting that you said that because when you go on Twitter, right, the director of the next entry often gets hailed as one of the most important hard directors or maybe the most important hard director from the next for this past decade. Right. And of course, talking about Jordan Peele and Get Out. But uh, what I was going to say, I just wanted to address what you said, too, about James Wan. I agree with you, James Wan, like he really knows how to get those scares to the audience and just like get everyone involved and just it's an event to go see his movie right and, and you know Flanagan's kind of different because he's made so much Netflix content and series recently but like when Malignant came out that was an event right and it, the whole horror community was buzzing for James Wan I think that he made the two scariest entries in the in the Conjuring franchise I like a whole bunch of different entries oh, in the series uh but one when, and two are the scariest. Yeah. I mean, and and we did a full ranking on this channel of his work. We did a Conjuring universe. We sure did. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we both had Conjuring's one and two, uh, in in one of, right. Conjuring one and two are very much the alien aliens of, uh, modern horror in terms of like a franchise where the first two are so obviously better than everything that comes after it. Right. And there's a few interesting and good things that come after it, but nothing touches those first two movies. Exactly. And, yeah. So um, before I get to number 47, which is Get Out, uh, I just want to do a shout out to two people that I know that watch these, these recaps that we do. Uh, one is Mike Bongiorno, who we've had on this channel before, and he's been on my other channel, Comic Books Transformed. He does, um, he has a podcast called Pop Culture Man Children, and he's been really enjoying this show of ours. And then um, another one is Megan Stockton, who is a writer that is in my writer's group, and I just interviewed her for our channel. I'm in the process of editing her video, uh, so that should probably come up this week. But we got so much freaking content this week, it's ridiculous. So many things are coming out I... like, just tomorrow. It's crazy. I... I like as, as soon as I go to bed, I just have to wake up and go back to comic. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And tomorrow, and 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 I I just reviewed Chucky uh, season two episode one. That's right. up on the channel now. Uh, that premiered Wednesday. Tomorrow uh, at Comic Con two thirty is the Chucky panel with Don Mancini, Jennifer Tilly, Zachary Arthur, who plays Jake in the series cannot wait uh and i'm gonna do what i did with um i almost said the haunting of Bly manor with the uh, midnight club tonight which is just i'm gonna record uh the the entire panel and i'm just gonna throw the entire panel uh and the q a up on uh on our channel so that everybody gets to watch what we get to see at comic-con that is awesome man yeah yeah let's talk so about get out well, so here's the thing. I'm thinking for Get Out, though, that maybe we actually don't need to go into it too much. Because one thing that we've done quite a bit, we've talked about right. Get Out when we covered just that movie alone. And then also when we did uh, Horror Noir, we talked about Get Out quite a bit as well. And um, they brought in Tanarive Du to talk about Get Out at one point, too. They, they brought a lot of people that were on Horror Noir yeah. to talk about it. 
And of course, they picked the scene that we all thought they were going to pick, which they of show course. in the opening credits for the show. Too. Of course, the sunken place. Um, right. And I mean, the only thing I'll say, it, it's just a very quick story that I've, I've, I think I've mentioned on this channel. And it just sticks with me as one of those amazing theater moments. I, I, I got one seat to see Get Out. It was packed. I got an aisle seat. I was next to an interracial couple, an uh, African-American man and a white woman. And I was sitting next to the man. And by the end of the movie, he had moved very far away from his girlfriend <laughs> to the point where he was almost on top of me in my seat. Right. And I, I'll never forget that. It, just a, an amazing theater moment that really encapsulates this movie perfectly. And The Sunken Place is, it's one of the greatest, not just horror movie moments. I think it's just an amazing film moment. I mean, let's not forget, this movie won an Oscar for Best uh, Screenplay. So this movie is beyond like this, this. This movie goes beyond the zeitgeist of like just a, a cool horror movie that came out. And you wow. know, you mentioned Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele, he's only made three features, so I, I'm hesitant to put him as the best horror director uh, of recent times. But his work, all three of his films, have been equally interesting and thought provoking and they are, you use this word, they're events. And, and that's what, uh, that's what's so exciting about him as a filmmaker. So like, you know, get out us, nope, whatever he does next, uh, you're going to be there opening day and it's going to make a shitload of money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you brought up a point. He's made three movies and two of which are on this countdown of the 101 scariest horror movies of all time. So that's really interesting that like, he hasn't been making movies for that long. But he already has two out of three of his movies on this list. What's interesting is that number 46 is not a person who the director of number 46 is not a person who I would label as a horror filmmaker. And yet I've said this before that he has some of the scariest moments in film and some of the scariest moments on television. And of course, I'm talking about one of my favorites, David Lynch. And so for David Lynch, I feel like they kind of cheated. It's a little bit different they have decided to use an episode from Twin Peaks, The Return. They kept referring to it as Twin Peaks on uh, the show, on the Shutter show, but it's um, a sequel series to the original Twin Peaks. It's called Twin Peaks, The Return, and they did part eight, which is kind of like this standalone episode that shows the sort of like the origin of the evil that's in the Twin Peaks world, right? And um, it's an amazing, amazing episode. I actually don't want to talk about it too much because I do have this kind of hope that one day you're going to watch the Twin Peaks original show and The Return, which is like one so, of the best things I ever watched. Here, Here's my question. The, yeah. So was Twin Peaks was a show first or did Fire Walk With Me come out first? No, no Twin Peaks was a show on ABC and okay. it came out right around the time when like all those Stephen King miniseries were on ABC. Okay. And then they made a like follow-up movie, Fire Walk With Me, to kind of tie up loose ends. And then Showtime had Twin Peaks The Return, <coughs> which they kind of cheated on this show and said was like a 12-episode movie. Yeah, it's like, so I, yeah. I, I respect the heck out of David Lynch. I do plan on watching Twin Peaks. This entry was the first one and probably is going to be the only one on this entire countdown that genuinely pissed me off. And it, 
it pisses me off not because of anything I've, I've never seen Twin Peaks. Right. So it has nothing to do with Twin Peaks. It's just that it, you're opening up such a can of worms. The name of the show, if the name of the show was 101 right. Scariest Moments, mm -hmm. I have no qualms. But you're calling it 101 Scariest Movie Moments. We, right. we talked about this on the last episode. Right. When you take an episode of Twin Peaks and put it on your show, well, now you've opened up the can of worms. Where are the Twilight Zones? Right. Where are the Tales from the Crypts? Very good point. Where are the Haunting of Hill House, the Haunting of Bly Manor, and all of Mike Flanagan's Netflix stuff? I think those it, are coming. I, I don't know, but you know something? I think I think as much as I love them and as much as I agree that those are some of the scariest moments, mm -hmm. if you're calling it movie moments, yeah, I know. then then you have to kind of be married to the word movie or at least yeah. define it in a way. There is no way on earth anybody can consider this to be a movie. I'm sorry. It is an episode of a TV series. Yeah. At, like... Or would you put an episode of Dexter on here? No, of course not. Right. So if that's a Showtime show, and this was a Showtime show, I, I, when I saw this, and like Charlotte, Charlotte was like, "What is Twin Peaks?" I'm like, <laughs> "Don't even worry about it." But this is an episode of a TV show, and it, it really just kind of irked me because it's opening up that can of worms that they're never going to close because, you know. From 46 down to one, you could put 45 more Twilight Zone episodes. <laughs> yeah. And I could call I could call Nightmare at 20,000 Feet a 25-minute a movie. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, by this logic. So mm -hmm. I, I love Shudder. This series has been awesome. I love covering it. Mm -hmm. And I'm enjoying the hell out of it. This one entry. Yeah irked me very very much and it has nothing to do with twin peaks I, i'm not blaming david lynch for it he didn't right. say put this episode on the list right you know right. it 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 irked me and, right. and, not, and for, but yeah i i i'm i i will it is on the list look don't tell anybody i've never watched an episode of breaking bad either i've never watched an episode of the wire i've oh. never watched an episode of the shield oh. so there's there's this litany of shows that I yeah. have never watched that are like infinitely on this list that I I want to get to. But at the end of the day, I feel like I'm a movie guy yeah. more than a, 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 TV. a, a TV guy, right. which is one of the reasons I love Netflix so much. But not, not even Netflix, but like the bingeability of shows because right. – I'm more geared to watching two to three hours at a time than 45 minutes at a time. And then having to wait a week. Right. Like I never want to go through the lost experience ever again. <laughs> you know, you, you and Brian kill me, man. Cause like you're saying that you never watched breaking bad or the wire. And then Brian is saying that like, he's never watched like the born movies or any James Bond. And, and I think Mission Impossible. Who's James Bond? I'm kidding. I've uh, watched all the James Bond movies. Okay, okay. But like, just sometimes it's like, ah, you know, like, what have you guys not seen? But but then, of course, there's tons of stuff you guys have seen way more than I have. And, but. Um, this, I, it, what is funny is this is probably the first entry on the list that you've seen that I haven't. I know, I know. I know it's pretty awesome. Oh, I, actually, uh, Mulholland Drive was also on this list. Oh, yeah. That was also right. David Lynch. So you're, you're, the two. 
blind spots that I have are both David Lynch and David Lynch. Yeah. So, so we need to eventually watch some David Lynch and then review it together on this channel. Oh yeah. I would, I would actually love to do that because he's, he's one of those filmmakers. I have a, I don't want to say a total blind spot on because I've seen a few of his films. I've seen, um, Dear Lord, I've seen Eraserhead. Uh, I've seen, um, the elephant man. Yeah. And I saw Blue Velvet, which I fucking love. Nice, uh, man. So uh, those three. But mm-hmm. I think I think that might be it for David Lynch and me. So, yeah, I would I would actually, that would be a fun idea because I'd love to watch more David Lynch. Well, what we need to do is we also need to cover more films by this next director, who is another one of my very favorite directors. And there's not much content from him on our channel either. And that is Guillermo del Toro. And so they have Pan's Labyrinth, number 45 on this list. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth, the scene that they reference is the scene with the uh, pale man who's played by a guy who's been in at least one Mike Flanagan production, Doug Jones, who I met at a con, and I, I uh, really love the man. He was awesome. Uh, he's, he's multiple characters in Pan's Labyrinth, and this scene is sort of like the iconic scene that people always refer to, but it is part of a like kind of like a dreamlike sequence whereas the real horror of the movie and they talk about it on the shutter show is the fascism and the brutality of the humans in the movie and so uh even though there's like kind of grotesque and scary imagery with the pale man and his you know eyes that are in his hands it's it's not the real horror of the movie but i thought that was an excellent choice and and this this to me is is absolute peak del toro and if you look at his early films, this is like the perfect final completion of that of of his uh, first few films: The Devil's Backbone, Kronos, which were these like, you know, very slow, real world type horror movies. That oh yeah, there's a supernatural aspect to it. There's ghosts. There's vampires. There's something. This is like that perfect final form. And the Pale Man is just one of those amazing characters. Uh, and Doug Jones, the, the makeup, the physical acting, I feel like he, he's him and Andy Serkis are going to eventually get Oscars for like uh, um, for achievement in like makeup and uh, achievement in being in body costumes and you know. Exactly. You know, Doug, yeah. Doug Jones was the fish man in uh, The Shape, Shape of Water, Water. which right. uh, won several Academy Awards, including Best Picture, and Del Toro won Best Director. And the movie is about him. And if he wasn't that great in that costume, in that makeup, then you don't have that great of a movie. So he's that talented. And and Doug Jones goes back to, uh, he Hocus played Pocus. like the monster in Hush, uh, the episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes, yes. And... He's Billy Butcherson, right? In um, the original Hocus Pocus. I haven't yes. seen the second one yet. So he, he's, and, and of course, yes, he's in Absentia. Um, he's, he's just a phenomenal actor. I was actually hoping that we would get him on this. I know, yeah, yeah. Um, which is funny because I just saw him, I think I just saw him on the Queer for Fear series oh, on Judder. Cool. So maybe he was busy doing... That One of them. couldn't, yeah. So I don't know, but he he's on Shutter now. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I, it. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, you said we don't have to talk a lot about Get Out, 
we really don't have to talk a lot about the next entry on this list. Because yeah. if you want to hear what Pete and I have to say about number 44 on this list, Rosemary's Baby, yeah. then you can search the Lassercast. We did um, we did reviews of the Unholy Trinity, The Exorcist, The Omen, and Rosemary's Baby. Uh, we did a deep, full 45 minutes to an hour deep dive of this movie. And all I'll say is I have come to appreciate this movie so much more thanks to... Uh, this channel and and revisiting it with you uh, than I did when I was younger. The scene that they reference is uh, the dream sequence uh, where obviously it ends with uh, uh, Mia Farrow, Rosemary being effectively raped by the devil and <laughs> impregnated with said Rosemary's baby. Nice. Um, it's, it's a haunting scene. Uh, we have talked a lot about it, a lot about yes. that movie. So let's jump ahead to number 43, which has another very interesting one of these shutter. Uh, let's put two movies that have very similar themes together because the right. theme of pregnancy shows yes. up in the movie Inside. Inside, yes. And the three key words that they say here French New Extremity. <laughs> you can make a lot of jokes about the French people. But in the early 2000s, they went fucking nuts <laughs> in the horror genre. Right. And they released some of the most disturbing, graphic, disgusting, and not just that, but movies that actually had incredible plots and incredible things to say with all of this gore and grossness. And Inside is a perfect example um, I'm thinking maybe. Oh, hold on. Tell ahead. the description of Inside real quick. My daughter left her iPad right over there, and it's making this weird noise. I got you. Tell, tell so, me, yeah. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Keep going. Inside is very simple. You have a woman who is pregnant, and she is going to be induced tomorrow. She goes home, and it's basically a home invasion movie where this mad woman uh, comes back bursting into this woman's home and tries to effectively cut the baby out of her and steal the baby for herself. Wow. It is one of the best home invasion films. Mm -hmm. It is so disturbing. Mm -hmm. it, uh, and the scene that they reference is this awful moment where the woman has locked herself in the bathroom to escape from this woman. And she's holding like, like she broke the mirror and she's holding, they always do this in horror where you just pick up a shard of glass. Like you can just hold and thrust a shard of glass around. Like it's not going to destroy your hand. Right. Flanagan style. Right. And uh, her mother shows up at the house and her mother goes up the stairs, knocks on the door of the bathroom and her thinking that, the, that it's the, this Invader. crazy woman, yeah. she swings the door open, and I think it's like a knitting needle or something, yeah. and she just swings it blindly, and she stabs her own mother in the <laughs> neck, killing her, and it's this brutal scene of yeah. like, it, it just, if, if, that, if that appeals to you, what I've just described, <laughs> French New Extremity, um, High Tension, Martyrs, My Fucking God, Martyrs, 
if martyrs will, I, I'm willing to bet there are 36 more entries. I'm willing to bet martyrs is one of them because if they put insight on here, martyrs is, is to the nth fucking degree. Um, another movie frontiers, just the French went nuts in the early 2000 and inside is an amazing example. Yeah, Inside, it's interesting because, like, it's a movie that I actually have seen, you know? It's, it's weird. There's so many movies that you've seen, but I have not uh, when it comes to horror movies, especially, like, foreign horror movies. But this one I did see, and boy, was it difficult to watch, you know? Just, they, they even kind of show it in the review. They showed, like, the infant within the mom's womb at some points, like, getting freaked out when she would get hit and stuff. Just intense, horrible stuff. The ending is, like, really rough. There's... A scene that happens with a man in the movie too that's just like really upsetting. Oh, the but, doctor. Uh, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. But consider we got like 12 minutes left. Uh I want to kind of fly through these and we have So can I make a suggestion? Why don't we talk about numbers 42, 41, and 38 all together? Because, yeah. because these are three movies that a lot of people will argue, well, they're not horror movies. Right, um, right. And I love that they included these. Uh, yes. Because these are crime thrillers that touch on horror and and dive deep into horror uh, to the point where, I mean, for number 42, it's seven. Right. And I think it, the second you hear that, one word should pop in your mind. And it's sloth. And wow. when when they showed seven, I like reached over to Charlotte and I went, <gasps> sloth. And she went, huh? Yeah. And then I went, we need to watch seven. Yeah. Uh, so we don't have to talk anymore about that. You know that scene. It is an absolute all-timer uh, of, a, of a jump scare. Best jump scares ever. Absolutely. For I number was... 71. They not only stayed with the idea of like true crime, uh, uh, crime thriller, but they stayed with David Fincher and they went with Zodiac. Yes. A movie I never thought would be on this list. No. But the scene in question, put this in perspective. The scene that they referenced in Zodiac made Tom Savini stop watching the movie. <laughs> and if, if you could, if you could freak out Tom Savini, yeah, you you've done a hell of a job. Yes. Uh, the scene they reference there is the couple having an nice little picnic uh, by the lake, and the Zodiac killer slowly tortures and murders them in just absolutely brutal fashion, stabbing them repeatedly after he ties them up. Uh, and then we'll jump down to number thirty-eight, which is without question to me a horror movie one of the most iconic characters in the history of horror is hannibal lecter of course sure. i'm talking about silence of the lambs now what did you think of the scene they picked from silence uh from silence of the lambs what were you thinking that instead they should have picked the scene where he has the man's face on his face and he pulls it off so for me one of the things that's been interesting like american werewolf in london they pick a scene that has nothing to do with the werewolf. Yeah. A Nightmare on Elm Street. They pick a non-Freddy Krueger scene. And yeah. now for Silence of the Lambs, they pick a scene that 
doesn't have Hannibal Lecter in it. <laughs> now, yeah. I agree the ending is one of the most intense moments of the film where right. she she realized it, that amazing juxtaposition of the FBI breaking into the house and her knocking on the door and you think the FBI is about to arrest Buffalo Bill and then you realize, oh, fuck, Clarice is at Buffalo Bill's door. Mm-hmm. Amazing scene. Insanely tense. Uh, Jodie Foster earns her Oscar on that scene alone. That said, this is Anthony Hopkins' movie, folks. You could have given the scariest moment to the encounter they have with the fava beans and a nice Chianti. Right. You could have absolutely, the scene you referenced, where he breaks out of the prison, he hangs the guard like an angel, and then he <laughs> rips the face off in the ambulance. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, right? Because... I feel like crime and horror go together very, very well. And there are writers that are very good crime writers that are also very good horror writers. I think that like Stephen King can write an excellent crime story. And of course he's the king of horror, right? Uh, Joe Lansdale, I think mm-hmm. can write horror stories and he's very excellent at writing crime stories as well. I mean, he writes all different genres, right? But, uh, and then even just like a guy that I'm eventually gonna interview for the channel, Bo Johnson, he always kind of gets lumped in with horror writers but he kind of writes like this real intense crime stuff right with his uh you know yeah. his uh, rider series so like it's i mean it's look cool. at netflix Dahmer. Dahmer is the is the biggest show on netflix right now right i mean and and Dahmer is as much a horror movie villain a real life horror movie villain as you could possibly have right exactly so so there's sort of that, that blurring of the line and so each of these entries, I mean, Zodiac, I was kind of surprised by, but Silence of the Lambs, absolutely, it's a horror movie. And then Seven, like you said, it has one of the best jump scares of all time. So I was happy to see all of these entries on here. I agree with you, too, that, like, you know, not having Hannibal Lecter in this countdown, I feel like that's weird. We haven't seen any repeats of the same movies. But yeah, they're moments. not going to. I don't think, don't think gonna, so. Not yeah, at this point. I, yeah. With only 36... Uh, movies left uh, only 36 entries left i don't think they're going to start repeating movies uh for yeah. different moments i think like that's what they're like with the conjuring they show batsheba jump down yeah and then they say uh this and they also have like multiple talking heads talking about like which moment so they're they, they're kind of you know skirting around the one moment per movie but yeah it is kind of strange i feel like they're trying to almost trick the audience like if they show a scene from halloween that doesn't feature michael myers i'm like what 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 are we we even doing folks (laughs) well it's funny that you say that because um and i think that we should group entries 39 and 38 together as well even though two very different filmmakers two different scenarios i think there's common ground and they kind of put put them next to each other you mean 40 and 39 oh i'm so sorry 40 and 39 yes okay 1439. So for 40 is 28 days later, which I love. I actually like the sequel even better. Uh, and then th- uh, 30 days of night. Probably a lot of people don't feel like that should be on this list, but that's actually one of my favorite horror movies. And um, for 30 days of night, they did this thing where they kind of spoke about one scene and then they're like, oh, but it's this scene over here. And so the scene they reference is this this really kind of memorable moment where they go from an aerial bird's eye view shot of this Alaskan town. And you see these vampires just slaughtering this whole town. 
And that always stuck with me. But then I thought that was the scene. But then they're like, oh, no, it's the scene where uh, Danny Houston and this other vampire are killing this couple. And that's another memorable scene, too, where there's a record player and he like puts his vampire talent on the record player. It makes this really weird noise. You know, and he makes this kind of vampire I, scream. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I like the inclusion of 30 Days of Night because uh, and they make this point that they very rarely, especially at this time in American film, were portraying vampires as savage, monstrous animals. Right. Uh, it, like this was Twilight era vampires. And these were some of the best vampires. I didn't love this movie, but these are some of the best vampires that I've ever seen. They're freaking scary as hell. They almost act like the aliens in Aliens, you know, where it's just like they're pack hunters and they're just creatures. Yeah. I, I don't know if I would have gone, you know, with some of the movies that we've talked about in previous episodes, 30 Days of Night being number 39 seems a bit too close to number one for my liking. Oh, but yeah. I'm, I'm fine with its inclusion. 20, I agree with you on 28 weeks. I love 28 weeks. But the scene in 28 Days Later they picked is such a heartbreaking moment yep. because it's like Brendan Gleeson's character is like about to like give up. And then and it's like the, the act that he does is just like this act of like, I'm so just pissed off at the world. You know, oh, fuck you, bird. And he, and the, the drop of blood hits him in the eye. And I remember sitting there in the movie theater watching that going, as you see the blood going, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's like a heart-wrenching moment in an otherwise incredibly tense, like, violent zombie movie. So, Yeah, and I think that they paired these two movies together because they represent that sort of that uh, killer that you can't reason with. You know, Danny mm -hmm. Houston says there's like, you know, there's no God, there's just suffering and pain or something like that, or just hunger. And then uh, in 30 days, I mean, 28 days later, they both have days in the title too. Um, <laughs> the, the rage virus people, you, you can't talk to them at all. They're just fucking crazed animals, yeah, they're essentially. Gone. So, um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm happy with both those choices and I like them being paired together. So they kind of bookended this one with another uh, Italian horror movie. They have Suspiria by Dario Argento. That brings us up to number 37. And so uh, I actually know a lot about this movie just based on, um, I think they showed it on like the dead meat, you know, the kill count, I think they showed it on. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of familiar with it, but I'm assuming you're a big fan. You you never saw this from I have not seen I've not seen I mean, this or the remake. Okay. Suspiria is just a perfect 85 90 minute horror movie it's and it's less about the plot than it is about and they mention this it's the most beautifully colorful movie it's it's gore and and it's gross out blood and gore but it's in such a beautiful way it is lit so amazingly that you can't even believe what you're watching it's it's almost hypnotic it's like a painting like a disgusting painting come to life. And it's really one of my favorite, basically everything Argento did from 1975 until about 1988, I fucking love. Um, it's one of the great stretches. It's like Carpenter from 76 to 94, where it's mm -hmm. just like, you, 
every couple of years, every year in the 80s, he's putting out another just banger, banger, banger. And Argento was doing the same thing in Italy. It's just um, this amazing stream of movies. And this was uh, part one of kind of like the unspoken Mother of Tears trilogy uh-huh. with this Inferno, which is actually my personal favorite Argento movie, uh, and Mother of Tears, which wasn't as good, is not really heralded as that good. But that Deep Red, Suspiria, and, and Inferno is just an amazing three movies to come out in like a five-year stretch. And then he followed that up with... Uh, Tenebrae and uh, oh god, what's the uh, phenomena and and opera and just a string of like pretty great movies in the early to mid eighties too. Uh, Suspiria is a must watch. It's one of the best witch modern like horror movies about witches. Mm. And the sequel, the sequel, the 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 remake is really good. It's just that it's two and a half hours and it doesn't have to be two and a half hours. There's like (laughs) this bizarre subplot that's about 30 minutes long that can literally just be taken out and boom, you have a nice two hour horror movie. Uh, But yeah, I like that they, they bookended this chapter with Bava and they ended it, they ended it with Argento and I think we have three episodes left. We're we're in the final thirty six now. Yeah. Uh, and Charlotte, I I really loved watching this episode with Charlotte because there were a bunch of movies here that I've been like talking to her about. Uh, Suspiria being one of them. Seven being one of them. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth. I've been begging her to watch Pan's Labyrinth for like years. I feel like. Yeah. So uh, I'm really excited. Um, to, to get to those with her and, and like, you know, you're already starting to like in your head, you're already starting to play with, okay, we know some, we know a lot of the movies that are going to be in the next 36, but where are they going to rank? Where are they going to be? Right. Shutter put out, you know, they've been doing this thing where, you know, show us a scene, show us a thing that you, so I put the, you know, obviously for me, hereditary, I put, I, 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 found the the scene of uh peter waking up and just very subtly in the background tony collette up on the wall and yeah i that one scene my fucking god i i that has to be the scene from hereditary yeah although although i mean charlie getting her head knocked off by the pole right right i mean my fucking god right uh, so the, the way the show goes, it could go either way between those two. I feel. Yeah. Uh, so like, I just, I so like now in my head, I'm playing with, is Hereditary going to be number thirty six, or are they going to go crazy? And is Hereditary going to be a top ten? Um, yeah. You know, like for me, I would put it in the top ten. I know. Like, I know. Yeah. I mean, it's it like they'll we have haven't seen Halloween, The Shining, Carrie. There's the thing. There's so many like classics left psycho obviously the exorcist the omen see and, and like literally that to me makes sense for the top the final episode the top 12 i feel like all those are going to be in there but they kind of throw your expectations you know for a loop and so it, they might not be in the top 12 so you know? okay 
we, 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 I know you ha you have to get going, so let's end this. Gun to your head. If I'm asking you now with about three episodes to go, what do you think that Shudder is going to, not your number one, what do you think Shudder is going to put as their number one? Oh, Christ. Uh, I keep thinking Exorcist, but I might be wrong. I know that they've sort of alluded to Exorcist a lot on, like, you know, cursed films and other things that they've had on the chat on Shudder. So what, what about you? Halloween? No, I I think they're going to go... Well, Bravo had their number one was the opening scene of Jaws. Oh. You can't go wrong with me with Jaws. Right, that'll be on there. My, It's going to be on there. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm going to go with... I think they're going to go Chessburster. Really? I, oh, because I mean, the alien I, is the last thing you see in the in the opening credits. Where the alien I goes, think ah. they're going to... I, although I think it would be really interesting given that this show has leaned into a lot more modern horror. I mean, here, just this, this episode, the conjuring get out, uh, pan's labyrinth, 30 days uh, of night. 28 days later and 30 days of night are yeah. all movies that have come out in the two. Oh, and inside and yeah. Zodiac, all of these movies have come out in the two thousands. Yeah. Who knows if they put hereditary at number one, I wouldn't be upset. I know. I, I agree. I, I think it's definitely top 12 material. That's for sure. And you yeah. might even get um, uh, Midsummer on there too. I could see that. I, I didn't love Midsummer as much, but I, yeah. I could see that. May, I mean, look, I, I might be, I think you'd agree with me. I'd be a little upset if Midsummer was in the last 36 after they put the Wicker Man way high on the list. Of course, of course. And and all of this is, is you know, like they already did Freddy Krueger. So it's like, how is he like two episodes ago? And, you know, I, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. So we'll see. But for our people that are watching, because I already mentioned some people that I know watch this, but for everyone else, what do you guys think the number one choice is going to be for Shutter? Let us know in the comments below. And if you guys haven't subscribed, please do. You're going to get like 15 videos today from Danny from Comic-Con. Yeah, but, uh, I need to, to peace out. But uh, yeah, Danny will be here all day today giving you updates from Comic-Con. Midnight we'll Club, Chucky, uh, you name it. Uh, I'm going tomorrow. I'll be there at 10 a.m. <laughs> well, it's today because this video is going up that day. I'll be there today. Today. But uh, anyway, we will be back, though, next week to talk about 101 scariest horror movie moments of all time. And I guess TV shows, too. All right. Yep. We'll see you all later. <laughs>